Thank you for tuning in today. My name is Frankie Mazapika. The title of my message is Three Reasons Why Jesus Cried. Three reasons why Jesus cried. Let me, let me lay a scriptural foundation before I get too ahead of myself. It reads like this in Luke chapter 19, verse 41. It says, but as he, speaking of Jesus, but as he came close to Jerusalem, he saw the city and began to weep. He's on a donkey. He's going towards Jerusalem for the first time since he has been on earth for the first time in his three-year ministry. He is allowing the multitudes to honor him as a king. If you go to the book of John, chapter 6, you'll see that he fed 5,000 people with two fish and five loaves. Loaves. Pieces of bread, okay? And it was the biggest, largest fish fry in the history of mankind. And these 5,000 people just saw what he did. And they thought to himself, okay, we are not asking you anymore to be our king. We're done asking. You are our king as of right now. And so they began to approach him to take him by force, Grab, take him by force, put something on his head, put something around. You are our king. And he anticipated that this was what was about to happen. And so he withdrew from them and went to the mountains to pray. And I've, I've heard of that, that phrase so many times because it's throughout the scriptures. That he withdrew to go pray. He withdrew to go pray. And after reading some theologians on that, on that phrase, it's become... Uh, apparent to them that when he withdrew to pray that the disciples and the followers had no idea when he was going to come back so like if if I withdraw from you to pray you can just kind of take a ballpark on when I'm going to be back they had no ballpark he'd be gone for several days sometimes and so he withdrew to pray he would not allow I am not this is not my time this is not my time to be honored as a king that's a very difficult thing for humans to embrace. To say, this world is not my time to be honored. This is not the place. It's a very hard thing because we are giving our life our best. Nobody wakes up in the morning and says, I'm going to be a completely lame person today. I mean, you are giving your life your best. You're, you, you know, you're doing the thing and doing it. Some of you show off. You can do stuff with your hair, your, your nails, and, and, and you're raising your kids to the best you can. You're getting the best education you can, waking up at the crack of dawn, going to work. And there's a side of you, a large side, that says, I want some credit and some admiration. And I, I'm not trying to be arrogant, but I'm working hard. I want to be honored right now. Am I talking to anybody? Come on, help me out. I'm working hard. Did somebody say thank you, my goodness? I'm working hard. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 this is not my time. This is not my time. Everybody say, this is not my time on three. One, two, three. Say a little bit louder. One, two, three. This is not my time. This is not my time. And so Jesus said, no, 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 no. But on this one day, seven days before he rose again 
Five days before he was going to be crucified, he says, okay, okay, I'll let you honor me as a king. And as he, as I already mentioned in the scripture, as he's approaching Jerusalem, which is the, the end of the, the, the parade, he starts weeping. Now, for me, anytime there is a contrast in someone's emotions and what is happening, it, it, it may, it, it's, I'm confused. For example, let's just have some fun for a minute. People who like roller coasters. I don't understand. I don't understand what's going on in your head. I really don't. I, I know there's a lot of you out here that like roller coasters. And I'm not trying. Do you, right, put your hands or yell or something if you like roller coasters. A lot of you like roller coasters. Somebody who loves you, like your pastor, needs to tell you, you are not a normal person. Because you, you, you get in this thing and you put a lot of safety measures around yourself. You pull the thing over, you put this over, you got to keep your hands on your lap. Why? Because you could die. <laughs> right? And as you're going the entire time, you're, you, you could, you're thinking you could die. You're, ah, 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 and you got your hands, ah. And what are you, why are you screaming? Because you think you're about to die. That's why you're screaming. You believe, oh, 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 you're screaming because you think you're about to die. And then you get off, you go, that was awesome. How is that awesome when for two minutes and 30 seconds you were screaming your head off because you were sure you were about to die? When I, if, if I'm facing death, I'm not like, ah! It's a contrast. We, we got a little dog, full grown, his legs are going to be three inches high. It's a small little pup. And so training, house training a dog like that, that you can't notice when he's about to use the bathroom on your floor because he always looks like he's about to use the bathroom. <laughs> He's always lit, so he's very hard to catch. And, and so the, at first, he'd use the bathroom when we first got him. It was like, oh, he's so cute. He doesn't And But after about four weeks, it's like someone in the family, oh, he used the bathroom. How cute. I'm like, no, 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 no. It's been four weeks. Let's not say cute. Let's not say, ah. No, that's a contrast. Four weeks is not normal. We've had 199 dogs in our family over the few years. We know how to train. We know how to train dogs. Do not smile when he pees on the carpet anymore. That's a contrast for me. Are you with me? Jesus is being honored. He's being celebrated. It's like your birthday. It's, you are being, it is, it is all about him. And he's weeping. I'm going to share three reasons why I believe he wept. Number one, um, he wept because he was feeling grief. Number two, his weeping was expressing grief, which is very different between feeling it and expressing it, we all know. And then he was also weeping because there, he has a prophetic insight of the future. He had a prophetic 
grief. He was feeling it, he was expressing it, and he could also see there was a prophetic grief. The, the feeling of grief, we know that because in the scripture, uh, it says this in Isaiah chapter 1 verse 3. It says this, and I want you to hear the heart here. It says, the ox knows its master. The donkey knows its owner's manger. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. These animals know who their master is. These animals know where to go when the sun starts going down. They, they know. My people don't know. They don't know. And he's, he's on the donkey and he's feeling these emotions. My people, they do not know. Now, the people that he's looking at are having church. They're, they're, oh, Hosanna, Hosanna. They, they are having church. And then the other people in the crowd, they're not having church. They're just acknowledging him. They're standing on the side of the road and they're watching. But he's looking at all of them and he's going, you don't really know. And so he's feeling this grief. Jesus was feeling grief. Grief is when... Love is disappearing or has disappeared. Grief is when there is a gap between what you were hoping for and what you are experiencing. That's grief. And when you and I are experiencing this grief, there is a prayer that we must anchor ourselves to. It, it sounds like this, God, grant me the serenity to sacrifice the things that I cannot control and the grace to change the things that I can and the wisdom to know the difference. This is the only way that you can get through grief. Because grief is a sense of loss. There's someone in our church, precious family in our church. Um, uh, her and her husband are in their mid-30s. They have some kids. And, and her, her kid was out playing golf with his grandpa. Uh, and uh, the grandpa's like, you know, in his late 50s. I think it was late 50s. And all of a sudden, this, his grandpa just fell over on the golf course and died. And I'm talking to the mother, the, the and she's saying over and over again, this is not fair. This is not fair. That is grief. This is not fair. But saying this is not fair on the account of someone dying, that's an, an obvious statement that has merit to be said. But when someone is still alive and they've disappointed you, now that's hard to get out of your mouth. This is not fair. I, I was anticipating our relationship looking different. This is not fair. And to back up and say, God, if I walk around saying things that are not fair, I am, I am being tempted by the enemy to get sucked into a spiral 
This is why it says in, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31, it says this. Get rid of bitterness. Get rid of anger. Get rid of harsh words. Get rid of slander. And then here's the, here's the kicker. And all other types of evil. That means bitterness is evil. I'm grieved because you're not treating me right. And now I'm bitter towards you, being lured into evil. I'm angry at you, being lured into evil. I've got something to say to you. How many of us can shred somebody with our words if we want to? Do you ever look at somebody and they're rude to you and you're like, you don't want to check with me? I'm just telling you, the last person that said that still crying today. Do you know? <laughs> I'm just, you got to pray for me. I, I'm not preaching at you. I'm preaching to myself and you happen to be in the room. I'm half Italian, half Brazilian. Do you know how difficult it is to say, I love you? Yeah, yeah, is there anyone with me on that? It's like, God's still working on me. Salvation happens in a moment. Sanctification is a process. He's, he's still, he's still, how many of you are still in the process? Oh my goodness, I'm still in the process. Anyway, 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 that's grief. He was feeling grief. Then he started expressing grief. He actually started crying. It's a whole different thing. When all of a sudden the emotions you, you have on the inside of you can no longer be hid. Oh, we go so strong and we get so good at hiding our emotions. I look at my daughter Kate all the time. She's eight years old. And, and then I have a daughter who's uh, 17. Um, and, and, and the eight-year-old, when she's upset, it's, there's, there's n the thought of holding back her emotions it doesn't even cross her mind. The first thing, first explosion of emotion, wah, wah. well, now you contrast that with my other daughter. What's the gap? The, the gap is only, what, nine years? She's already trained now. You feel emotions. You hold them in. Is it the right training? We know that that's more unhealthy than healthy. We hold them in. But there are certain moments where it just, it busts through the dam. The tears come rolling. The hurt comes out. Jesus was feeling it. But then he started expressing it. He started crying. And, and these are the words I want us to hang on to uh, in this, for this particular point. He says this in Luke chapter uh, 19, verse 42. He, he says this. He goes, oh, how I wish today you, of all people, would understand the way to peace. He said, you of all people, my children, my family, that you, we're not talking about strangers here, that you of all people. And, and he's looking at them, and I can hear the cry in his voice. He's looking at his own children, and he's saying, you are, are like a sea that cannot find rest. 
You're like a tree that cannot bear fruit. You're like a bird that has no nest. But this was not supposed to be the case. You're my children. Come back to me. Jesus was feeling grief. The words in that verse that really jump out at me was, you of all people. My family uh, and I were out to dinner a couple years ago with another family, and we were just joshing around, laughing about things. And someone in my family, uh, somehow or another, we got on the topic of tickling. I don't know how they got there. Um, have you ever been there? It's like, how did we get here? I don't know how we got here. There's so many other things to talk about. We get on the topic of tickling, and somebody in my family, uh, I'm going to be real careful on my pronouns so that nobody can kind of zero in and figure out who it is, but, uh, but uh, the, the person in my family looked at me and said, he loves to be tickled. <laughs> now, I'm shocked that that statement was made. To the point that I think that there was a mistake. So I look over and I'm like, are you talking about me? I like to be tickled. And I'm looking around and I'm like, me? And then there's laughter at the table. And I said I was shocked. Okay, now if someone on the other side of the table, the other family, they were like, we know you like to be tickled. I would be like, no, actually I don't. And it would be kind of playful and I would explain myself. But it wasn't on the other side of the table. It was on my side of the table. My family who lives with me are saying that I like. And I, so I said, you know, actually I don't. And, and even more than not liking to be tickled, I don't like looking at the person who's trying to tickle me. Because they, I want to say to them, why are your fingers in my armpit? What are you doing? Why are you ramming your fingers into my neck? Like, I have no idea what's happening to me right now. And then here's the worst one. Why are you poking? <laughs> Why are you poking me in my ribs right now? This is not fun for me. What are you doing? Is there anyone that's in the Frankie camp? Like, but just don't try to tickle me. I don't like it. And then this is the, this is the coup d'etat. I'm the one in the wrong for not finding this fun. Oh, he's boring. I'm boring? I, uh, you're, you're a stick in the mud. You're no fun. How is it that I was doing nothing 10 seconds ago and now I'm no fun? Like, how, how is it? Why are we working on me? Have you ever thought that? But don't chase that rabbit. Men... Do not chase that rabbit. It is our opportunity to get better in that moment. <laughs> Never mind, that's another sermon. All right. <laughs> it got real still in here because all the wives just went, do not nod. <laughs> all right. He was expressing it, but he was, he was like, you of all people should know how to come to peace with me. You of all people 
should know how to pursue me and find peace of all people. And now here's the last one. So he felt grief. He expressed grief. And now this is the part that really hurts my heart the most. And I believe it hurt his heart the most. In Luke chapter 16, verse 26, it tells a story of how this rich man was disregarding this poor guy. He was treating him bad. And then they both died. And the poor guy went to heaven and the rich guy was in hell. And the rich guy is burning, like, but he'll never be completely burnt. It's like when you throw a piece of paper in the fire, if you keep watching it, it'll eventually be gone. But it's, imagine throwing a piece of paper in the fire, and it just stays burning. That's what hell is like. Uh, I, I heard this guy's testimony. He went to hell. And he said, the moment I stepped in there, he goes, I felt my foot feel a, a surface that I have never felt before. He said it was like marsh. It was like a marshmallow. It just kind of sank. And he goes, the first emotion, the first thought that I had was, I don't belong here. I shouldn't be here. And he was right. He said this to me. He goes, this place was made for, for fallen angels, for demons, for saying it wasn't made for me. But I, but I was afraid I couldn't get out. And, and there, there's, you can't get out. And so here, Lazarus, the rich guy, he's in this place. He can't get out. And see, the scariest thing, Holy Spirit, please anoint these words. The scariest thing about people who end up in hell were sleepwalking on earth sleepwalking. They think that the message of the cross is foolishness. They think that holiness is not necessary. They think that the whole church world is, is borderline uh, a joke. I had somebody tell me, he goes, the church is necessary, but it's just like the library. Every community needs one. It, it's, it's good for the community. And people who end up in hell had a cold heart on earth. So he gets there and he feels like he's never getting out. And this is Lazarus. He realizes he's never getting out. And so somehow, I don't know how this happened, he got the attention of Abraham in heaven. The, and that's the part of hell that has to be the worst. To be able to see heaven the entire time. I've heard of testimonies who were, of people who were imprisoned at Alcatraz. And they said the worst part of being in the prison of Alcatraz, of being on that island, is to be able to look at the shore of California. To be able to see the lights and hear the, hon the horns honking and people celebrating. And pe to be able to see freedom but not experience it. People in hell can see heaven. The entire time. And somehow or another, I don't know how this happened, because people in heaven cannot see people on earth. But for whatever reason, he got Abraham's attention. And I believe the Lord allowed it for this sermon or this point to be able to be preached. Lazarus said, it is so hot. Will you please just put your finger in that lake and drop a drop of water onto my tongue. 
And he said, I'm sorry, I can't. He said, nobody from here can ever go there. And nobody from there can ever come here. There's a whole religion out there that believes that people on earth can be baptized for people who are dead so that they can go to heaven. They can be taken out of hell and be taken to heaven. It's a, it's a very difficult argument to convince me of when it's crystal clear in the Bible that in Luke chapter 16, verse 26, says that people down there can't come up here. And people up here can't go down there. And I believe that it was the, the grief of God, the prophetic grief that says, all of you, that are turning against me and are not acknowledging me. You have no idea. You have no idea. You have no idea. And part of the enemy's plan is to convince us all that we have more time than what we have. I'll get my life right tomorrow. I'll get my life right before Jesus. Oh, it's, it's just bait, isn't it? It's just bait. But what I want to say in closing this message is this. We are in a perfect, most beautiful slither of time right now. This perfect slither of time, I know it's hard out there. Oh my goodness, I'm anointed to preach it, but I got to live it like everybody else. I know it's hard out there. But we're still in this perfect slither of time. Where we get to decide not only where we're going to spend eternity... But we get to be the person that says, I'm establishing right now that you're my God. And when that happens, come on, help me out. And when that happens, just like Jesus stepped into the world, he steps into your world. And all of his goodness and all of his grace and all of his power begins to flow out of you. And we begin to experience things that we have only read in scripture, but we see it in our life. Do you receive that today? Come on. Receive it. And, and this is the part of the service right here. Sometimes people, sometimes preachers get together and we talk about how do you prepare for your sermon? How do you prepare? And, and, and blah, 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 blah. What's your service look like? What's your service look like? And we learn from each other. But this is always the part of the service that I say to them, I have no idea what's going to happen at the end. I have no idea. But it's always something miraculous it's so funny I, I was at a, a, a service there's this guy um, for a large percentage of you you would know his name and um, I went to go hear him speak it was a church in spring I went to go hear him speak he was up there speaking and um, we have a mutual friend and my friend texted him and said hey my friend Frankie's going to be there and uh, when I found that out, I was like, hey, don't call me friend anymore because we're not. <laughs> like, um, because I'll tell you what happened. I'm sitting in the crowd, and all of a sudden the speaker's up. There's like a bunch of people out there. And he's like, is Frankie here? And I was like, yeah, we're not friends anymore. <laughs> I'll tell you who it was so that you'll know. The guy who spoke last Sunday, we're not friends anymore. So I hope you enjoyed him. Uh, but anyway. Uh, so he calls me down uh, in, in front of everyone, and 
he says, I hear God's doing some great things in you and doing some great things in your church. Uh, do you want to tell us about it? And I said, um, well, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty uncomfortable with that question because I'm not used to talking about myself or our church in that respect. But God's doing a lot of good things. Have you ever been there? It's like someone wants to know about you, and you're like, hey, how about we talk about you a little bit? I <laughs> just felt uncomfortable. And so then I, I, I knew that that answer wasn't going to um, be enough for him because he asked the same question again. <laughs> and, and so finally I decided I'd just give him a slither. So, well, I say a slither because a lot more happens at this part of the service than what I said. So, well, we go for healing almost every Sunday, and every Sunday we see people get healed. I didn't want to talk about how over the last six weeks people have been delivered from, from depression, the spirit, like a demonic spirit that's been sitting on someone's shoulders for far too long. It's just been coming off over the past six weeks. I didn't want to say that, hey, we've been going for healing for the past three years, but, but now we go for deliverance and healing. I didn't want to say that, man, as a pastor, I thought to myself, if we go for deliverance, people would never come back to our church, but it was actually the exact opposite. We started going for deliverance and more people started coming to the church. The devil is a liar. I, I, I didn't say, hey, I, you know, I, I thought that, that nobody believed that they were oppressed. And now I'm realizing that there's a lot of us that saying, hey, what's happening to me is not normal and I want it to stop. Are you with me? And so I didn't want to go into all that. But when I, I was walking out, kind of a funny moment. Um, it was a really, really long service. And so I went to go use the restroom. It was kind of like my halftime break. I went to go use the restroom. A guy comes up to me in the restroom. And he's like, hey, I want to bring my son to your church. We're in the restroom. <laughs> to be prayed for, to be healed. Did I mention we were in the restroom? <laughs> and so I'm like, uh, I'm thinking to myself, we could be talking about this when we get out, but that's cool. Um, so I said, come on. But in my head, I was like, yes, God's been so good that whatever we believe for, we see happen. I'm going to play a video in a moment. Um, and it's somebody getting healed, physically healed. And... Um, that's probably been the joy of my life over the past three years is to see people with cancer and blind eyes, all that open up. But I'm well aware that not everyone in this room needs a physical healing. You're emotionally broken. Your marriage is being held together by duct tape and super glue. So whatever you need, I want you to start raising your faith as you watch this testimony. Take a look at this. Hi, I'm Rita, and I just wanted to share that I came to church 
um, Pastor Frankie was asking if anybody feel any pain, um, anything hard on their abdomen, and he was talking to me. I was feeling this uh, hard corner. It felt like a book, like something hard on my abdomen, and I was in pain. So I came to the front and I surrendered. I let him pray for me, and I have faith the guy will heal me. He asked, do you feel anything? And I was like, yes. And uh, he prayed for me, and a few days after, that was gone. The, the pain was gone, and I look for it, I go, where is that? Where is the corner? It disappears, so um, I feel like it's a miracle, and I want to share with you. I don't have to go to the doctor. I went to the doctor, and I asked if that was a hernia or anything. I don't have a hernia. I don't have anything, so I'm just very happy to share with you today. You know, so many healings happen at our church. I never know what video they're going to play. And as soon as I sat down, I started laughing because um, I was out of town last Sunday. And uh, I was in another city, and I was walking down the sidewalk, and I had this thought. Uh, pray for people with something that's going on in their abdomen. And I forgot about it. And I was like, so in the moment last week, I was like, yes, I'm going to do that. I believe God's going to heal people there. But I forgot about it. That was a week ago. I only have to sleep once to forget everything. That was, that was seven sleeps ago. That's how I talk. Anyone talk to your kid? Anyway, I tell my eight-year-old, we'll be back in three sleeps. But um, I'm going to miss those days. Jeez, my 17-year-old's looking at college, and I'm like, change your mind. Stay home. Education is worth nothing. I want you to sleep in the middle for the rest of your life. Any parents with me on that? It's like, I brainwashed you into believing that college was necessary. I have lied to you your entire life. <laughs> Stay home. Let's eat macaroni and cheese together for the rest of our life. Why did I say that? I probably need to be healed, I guess. <laughs> what was I talking about? Oh, yeah, sleeps. I forgot about it, but as soon as I... I saw that video, I was like, God's going to heal. But he's going to do way more than that. He's going to do way more than that. So you don't have to come down here yet. Just raise your hand um, if you have something going on in your abdomen. And I, I don't, it's not, it's not like, just over here or just over here. The problem is right here. It, is there anyone in this room that that's you and I need to pray for you? And if nobody raises their hands, that just means that I thought I was hearing from God and I didn't. Is it you? Okay. Anyone else? It's just one person. And I can't wait to pray for you. But it's just one. If you if you say to yourself, that's me, but I don't want to raise my hand because that's embarrassing, I just want you to know, everyone in this room, when someone raises their hand, their faith goes up, and they're like, oh, man, he just heard from God. But when nobody raises their hand, then they have to kind of settle and go, oh, he didn't hear from God. And that's okay, because we ought to have a transparent family. But for the person that... Like, that's me, but I don't want to raise my hand. It's other people in the room that miss out on the opportunity for their faith to go up. Okay? So uh, it's not just you. 
it's not just you. And I know I'll talk to them in the lobby. Uh, I'm not going to pray for you in the lobby. Um, I don't go to the lobby after the service. Um, so let me ask one more time. Is there is there anyone in this room that the, the need is right here? Is, is it you? All right, well, since he stood up, why don't you stand up and come on down here. Is it you? Okay, see, I knew there was more. You just needed a little loved, a loved, a love bump. Give them a big round of applause. for Everybody stand to your feet so they don't feel awkward. Come on, come on over here. Come on over here. There's three of you. Four of you. There's four of you. All right, now that feels right. Uh, just put your hand on your stomach because it just amazes me when God starts healing people before I get a chance to pray for them. Just put your hand right there. And if you start feeling heat, that's God's he healing heat. If you start feeling something leaving your body, that's the Holy Spirit pulling that sickness right out. You know your body. You know your body. You know if something is happening. So just pay attention because the likelihood of you getting healed before I pray for you is really high. But I want our prayer partners to come down. Not yet, because I want prayer partners. I want you to listen to what I'm about to say. I'm about to bring our prayer partners down. And when you come down, all requests are on the table. Because the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 3, 7, the Lord is spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So if you need freedom from anything, I need to be free from, we need to be free from anything. But I want to speak specifically to when people in this room over the last five or six weeks have come down to the prayer partner and says, I feel tormented by the enemy. The prayer partner is going to look back at you and they're going to say, oftentimes, and if they don't say this, I'm saying this, oftentimes, not every time, Oftentimes, the enemy has come into our life and began tormenting us through a door that we allowed to be open. An easy example is when you get angry or bitter at someone and that door opens, and then a demon comes in and just torments you. Now, that's just an example. When you ask the Holy Spirit, is there anything that's tormenting me? And when you say the words, I renounce anger, I renounce bitterness, I renounce lust, I re whatever you renounce, what you're doing is you're identifying the door. And in the same moment of identifying the door, you're telling them to get out the door. So that one word does both things. And I have seen over the past five weeks so many things happen when people do that. I've seen people get healed. I've seen people get freed. I've seen people renounce something and their kids get healed. 
it's beyond my pay grade. I'm just telling you that getting that evil spirit out of your life is so critical. So I'm telling you once again, freedom for everyone and anything is here in this room. So prayer partners, come down if you would, all the way around the platform. And all of us pray the same way. We pray to the same person. So just throw a dart at someone and go pray with them. The rest of us, by the way, if, if you're not sure where you'd spend eternity, if your heart were to stop beating in the next five minutes, you're more important than anyone we're going to pray for. Because your situation is the only situation that involves eternity. So come down here and pray for a prayer with a prayer partner. No official dismissal. You can leave whenever you get ready. But at the very least, let's worship him together one time through this next song, maybe even two, and you're free to go. I love you all so much.